It's time for WAKR's This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. This Week in Tech is brought to you by Cartridge World in North Canton, your home for copiers, printers, and supplies. This week we're talking about efforts to protect children and teens from the negative effects of social media. This after a new law requiring parental consent before children can use social media apps that was supposed to go into effect January 15th has now been blocked temporarily by a federal judge in response to a lawsuit filed by an organization representing the tech industry called NetChoice. Their action wasn't really unexpected, though, because they have obtained preliminary injunctions against similar laws in other states as well. But also this week, Meta announced that it will restrict more content from teens on Facebook and Instagram after regulators around the globe pressed the social media giant to protect children from harmful content on its apps. CBS News tech contributor Ian Schur says teens' mental health is of concern. The biggest change is that Meta is going to wall off certain types of content. So, for example, thoughts around self-harm or eating disorders are not going to be viewable on a teen's account. And in fact, instead, they'll be prompted to speak to a friend or reach out to a helpline if they look for it. With that in mind, I had a conversation recently with Professor Julie Cahigas from the University of Akron, where she teaches classes on social media in their School of Communication. And she says it's clear something needs to be done to protect children. And the dark side of social, you might think of terms like cyberbullying or cyberstalking, or you might think of particular cases where young people have committed suicide based on something that happened on social. And as a parent, that ends up kind of scaring me all the time. Like my own research scares me because I can see how vulnerable my children are to things that can happen on social and how difficult it is as a parent for me to control their access. I think one of the big challenges with social and children is iPads and Amazon Fire uh, tablets and mobile devices, because it's not like it was, I don't know, 20 years ago or, or 15 years ago, where you'd have to sit at your computer at your desktop and go to a website and sign in. Now these, these children, have access sometimes from a very young age to these mobile devices. And depending on how savvy a parent is, you know, there are lots of potential parental controls or restrictions that you can put on those devices. And there are lots of ways that our sort of innovative young people can kind of get around those. And so for me as a parent, it's kind of like a whack-a-mole, right? Like one thing pops up and I I spank it down and then another thing pops up and it's like, I got to get these risks sort of managed. And so for my children, that means using all of the screen time parental controls on their iPad, using the communication controls and using the privacy controls as well. And then also being very present There's nothing that you can do from a technology standpoint that is going to replace presence as a parent that watching over their shoulder, seeing what they're up to, you know, keeping an eye on them. One of the things my kids are, my kids are young. So I thankfully haven't had them request a a Facebook account or an Instagram account or TikTok. Well, TikTok, maybe a little bit because they want to make videos. Um, But one thing that they do and have had access to is kids messenger. 
And that's pretty safe. It gives me a lot of control. I can look at their conversations after they've happened. I can, you know, do a lot with it, but it's got a video chat function and the kids want to get on there with their friends from school and do video chats. And sometimes lots of kids are added to these chats and it becomes these big conversations. And then what you've got there is you've got an unrestricted social situation. Um, And if there isn't a parent present or watching or listening, there's really not a lot anyone can do to control that. And so, you know, understanding these technologies, what you'll ultimately conclude is you have to be present. Another thing that has been challenging with younger children are things like multiplayer online games like Roblox or um, Minecraft, but Roblox in particular for my family, because my son who is seven really wanted it. And we did a lot of research and we looked at what controls there are and kind of going in and putting their age at the correct level. And still there were things getting through that made me uncomfortable. Still, I was hearing things that he was saying that made me uncomfortable. And so after supervising him very carefully on the app, we determined that it's just not safe enough. There's really nothing I can do to make sure he's not seeing violence that is offensive to me or messages that are offensive. And then also the conversations that he's having out there could be with anyone. And, you know, I don't know that all the parents that I have in my circle understand that because a lot of their kids are on Roblox alone in their room for two hours and you really can't know what they're being exposed to. So that's another area of concern. When you start talking about teenagers I think it's interesting. I don't know if you, do you know who Z-Dog MD is? I do not. He's a, he's a social influencer. He's a, a physician and he talks a lot about the health aspects of social media, social media addiction, other things of that nature. And he was talking about how giving teenagers social media is kind of like giving teenagers a loaded gun. And I thought, well, that's kind of histrionic isn't it? But then, you know, he goes through and he explains it. And he talks about the fact that teenagers really, their brains don't regulate the way that adult brains do. And their ability to judge those situations, when they get really upset, sometimes they do things like, I don't know, punch a wall at their house or or kick a door, right? And when we give them something that's capable of I don't want to say mass destruction, but that's capable of, you know, really harming a lot of people if it's used incorrectly. Yeah, their unregulated brains do make it kind of dangerous. And so you'll see, you know, cases out there where I can think of one where a young lady, um, she took a, I don't know, a, a naked selfie or some sort of a sexually explicit selfie and shared it with a friend via text and it ended up on the internet and it ended up on social and it spread like wildfire. And then that young woman's parents basically had to have her on suicide watch and they can't pull that back. Social is so permanent. Uh, the internet is so permanent. It's easy to think of it as, oh, well, it's here and it's gone, but it's really not. And you can find things years and years later and this, the kids understand that. And so when something like that happens or gets out, you know, it's very damaging to them. You'll also see the cyberbullying, which is dangerous. You'll see kids, you know, once you go home from school in 1998, you're home, you're safe. You're not going to be bombarded with bullying or messages from school. You can take a break. 
when you're 15, 16 in 2023, there is no break from that social environment. You walk in the house and your mobile device is dinging. Somebody posted something about another student and everybody's piling on in the comment section. And that's, that's really damaging to these young people. They, that's a lot for them to handle. They can feel attacked, not just by a bully at school for a few hours, but by the entire internet 24 seven. And they're not equipped to handle that. I, frankly, I don't think most adults are equipped to handle that. So it, it is a dangerous environment. And in that sense, like giving them a loaded gun, there's a lot of damage that can be done with social. So now that we've outlined what the stakes are and why this is a legitimate area of concern for lawmakers, I asked Julie what she thinks about Ohio's new law, recognizing, of course, as we said earlier, it's on hold for now because of that lawsuit. What I'd really like to see the government do in addition to this or in replacement for this is to put some funding behind education campaigns to educate our populace in general. I mean, even even senior citizens need this education, right? They're being tricked into sending money to their friend who's lost in Europe <laughs> and, and it's just a, a, a scammer getting their money. But I think we all need more education in what these technologies can do and in what our children have access to. And I think if the government wanted to devote some funding, some additional funding and some some um, effort into educating the public, into doing public information campaigns, I think that would be very valuable. And that's the thing I do like about this act. At least it gets the conversation going. It may not be effective, in the sense that it may not actually prevent anyone who's 15 or 14 or 12 from downloading and utilizing these apps. But at least it does start this conversation where someone like me can come on the radio and say, hey, parents, it's really dangerous out there. And really, the only thing that you can do to protect your child is to sit with them and be with them and spend that one on one time with them not only discussing what they're doing on social, but watching what they're doing on social and and watching what they're doing on their devices. That was Professor of Practice Julie Cahigas from the University of Akron, where she teaches classes on social media in the School of Communication. And I'm Jean Destro. Thanks for listening. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. This has been This Week in Tech with Gene Destro on WAKR, brought to you by Cartridge World in North Canton.